every entrepreneur has a story. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, where each episode, your host, Brian Carney, will share a drink with a successful business owner and have them discuss their unique journey, gaining insight on what it takes to be an entrepreneur and different ways to get there. Brian isn't just a beer nerd. He's also the co-founder of River's Edge Advisors, a financial planning firm headquartered in Delaware, specializing in working with business owners. It's time to pour yourself a drink and enjoy a happy half hour with an entrepreneur. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur. I am your host, Brian Carney. My guest today is Regis de Ramel, the president and CEO of an aircraft management, maintenance, charter, and flight training company called Fly Advanced. Regis, thanks so much for coming on. Brian, it's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm honored to be able to speak with you. Love it. So I know you have are flying, so it's not appropriate for you to drink. But without you drinking, I'm going to drink a uh, Trogues Double Blizzard IPA. Now, this was a Christmas gift from my lovely mother-in-law. So I will give it a rating at the end of the show. We'll, we'll sip on it during the show, and uh, I'll give it a rating at the end. Now, I see you're drinking coffee. That's probably the smart move. Actually, I'm drinking water, believe it or not. Oh, uh, even better. I'm trying to abstain from alcohol this month, but uh, just trying a little hot water. Dry January. Perfect. I love it. Well, thanks so much for, for coming on. I'm really interested to talk to you. Uh, this is a fascinating field for me. So um, tell us a little bit first about Fly Advanced and what you guys do. So Fly Advanced is a aircraft management and maintenance company. We also haven't trained people how to fly, but um, we have five locations. The principal location is here in Newcastle, Delaware. Um, I've got 250 plus employees that work uh, wow. in those different locations, and it's um, it's kind of morphed. It's a it's a company that started out just doing aircraft maintenance, and um, we uh, got into charter, which is um, sort of like a it's you know someone owns a jet, they want to have uh, additional revenue help support the cost of the jet because it you know means paying help pay for the pilots and the parking and the insurance so we manage people's planes and it uh, i guess the fundamental basis of fly advance is that we don't just manage one particular plane like you know you'll see you'll hear of companies like netjets or yeah. wheels up we you know the wheels up started with just being um they just managed the, or they just chartered king airs which are you know a 10 seat plane um very good for like eastern us kind of travel we will manage everything from a Cirrus aircraft, which I'll talk more about, and uh, all the way up to a Gulfstream. So the goal is like if you have a, an airplane or a, a need for transportation, we want to help you solve it. That's awesome. So I'm going to oversimplify this and kind of like put things in, in ways that, that make sense for my, my brain. So yeah. I own a jet. You can help me, quote unquote, Airbnb it. Is that kind of a way to, yeah. to look at it? Yeah, exactly. So we're we're a property management company. You know, we're an asset management company. We you you we either help you find the airplane, or we um, or you have an airplane, and we either just store it for you, yeah, uh, just store it and fuel it for you, or you keep layering on additional layers of of uh, management. The theory is that you know the revenue sort of stays in house. It sounds a little. Uh, dirty, but you know the goal is that why go outside of Fly Advanced to go get um, your uh, charter or management or even maintenance um, sure. 
keep it inside the house as much as possible. I started by, you know, really with just the Cirrus aircraft brand, which is a single engine. So when, you you know, everyone thinks of private aviation as being like this really expensive, you know, high flying jet business. Yeah. The reality is most people can't afford that. I mean, sure. and, and honestly, most of our clients can barely afford it. Right. Uh, that's why they come on and say they want charter revenue because it helps support the cost of that. But the the thing that really drove me into this business was um, I came to Delaware because that was I was working for a plane company called Cirrus Aircraft, small company at the time based out of Duluth, Minnesota. And they were the only airplane company that was smart enough to say, hey, you know what? In the event, in the unlikely event of uh, an accident or a, a pilot incapacitation, why don't we have a parachute integrated in the airframe? Hmm. The pilot or the passenger can pull a red handle and lower the aircraft down to the ground safely. Uh, the entire plane has a parachute, not the people inside it. Whole plane. And, you know, I went to work for them after leaving my family business, which was in real estate. And uh, I thought it was the best thing in the world. Like they gave you an airplane, they give you a credit card, they give you a salary. <laughs> they go sell an airplane. And I was like, this is easy. This is like shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and I and I came to Delaware because I thought thought well, there's this you know tax free state, so like this should be like a, a game winner. And, and when you look at the statistics, everyone bases their aircraft out of Delaware, but no one actually bases their aircraft out of Delaware. It's a it's a it's a it's a holding company. Yeah, know? the shell. All the companies are domiciled here. I didn't know that when I first moved to Delaware. So that's how <laughs> that's a quick lesson, though. A quick lesson, but it it worked out really well. Seventeen years later, I'm here and I love it. Um, but the yeah, Cirrus was always like near and dear in my heart because I feel like it's um, it's not cheap. You know, they go for about a million bucks, but you know when you compare that to a seventy million dollar Gulfstream six hundred and fifty, it's a pretty good deal. And yeah. I love it. I mean, I've taken a Cirrus across the country to California. I've taken all the way down to the Bahamas. Uh, you can fly. You know, in five hours, you can be in paradise in the Bahamas. Yeah, uh, serious. So, uh, and it's a hell of a lot better and more comfortable than um, going via commercial. But yeah, so the goal was that anyone could get into either individually or in a share, and it just grew from there. That's great. You leave the family business, you go to work for for the the, the plane company. When did you realize, like, okay, I have a business idea, and I think that there's there's something here. So the funny thing is like, and I'll go back to that too, that we had a relatively contentious family business situation where, you know, I had two uncles who did not want me working for the family business. So <laughs> it's a situation where it's actually like a, a family trust. And if I was the lucky one to be still working for the family company, I would have made a huge fortune. It was ridiculous. But I knew after working for them for five years, and it, it, there were some great elements there that I needed to do my own thing. I, yeah. I had to go it on my own. Um, and fortunately, a good friend of mine um, who was already working for Sirius said, hey, you got to come and work for them. Um, I did that for four years and it was great. Um, I sold a lot of planes, but then 2008 came around and ah. I knew things were going to get really soft in the aircraft sales business. And they really did. And good so there. I always had like a, a vision again in the back of my mind that everyone should be flying in these little planes, I, you know, envision like uh, Jetsons, you know, where yeah. you hail a cab or even Uber for that matter. I mean, that's still kind of a goal in the back of my mind is that, uh, you know, you've not everyone's going to go out there and get their pilot's license, but people will want to go from A to B. So what if you could hail a Cirrus, like an Uber um, to go to 
Charleston, South Carolina, or to go to Nantucket or Vermont or whatever. Yeah. The goal was to do that. We did a very extensive business plan. Anyways, it didn't really work out the way I wanted to, but then um, I was I was a part owner in a series. I was uh, at what became my first location called Lancaster in in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Okay, it was a, it was a service center for Sirius. I went there for an oil change and left with a brand new engine. What happened was basically the, the director of maintenance there was a complete uh, shyster, and which is kind of not atypical in the aviation business, unfortunately. You know, it's probably a, like going to get your car fixed on steroids. Exactly. And, you know, and like you, people and I thought, well, there's no way in hell that I'd get the, you know, the wool pulled over my eyes. But lo and behold, he pulled the wool over my eyes and convinced me that my engine was totally tearing itself apart when it really wasn't. He just was running out of cash. So uh, I got a call from the owner of the company. He said, I'm, I'm folding. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. before you do, um, why? And he told me why. And and. I said, well, maybe I could, maybe we could sort something out. Like I, I, I don't know anything about, you know, the aircraft maintenance business, but I know one thing is true that you just have to be honest, like, right. <laughs> don't screw people. Like, yeah, if you that's a good tenant for any business. And it was honestly as simple as that. Like, so I was, I started out with a partner, um, a really good guy, Rick Ineri, who um, was crazy enough to get in it with me. And we were both like, I remember the day when we looked at each other, it was October, um, 2010, and we didn't know anything about, well, I think he knew a little bit about maintenance. Like he'd worked on his car once or something like that. <laughs> and we're just like, all right, we got this. And the business was losing like $250,000 a year on $1.25 million of revenue a year. So it was like tiny little business um, with a uh, giant loss. And the, the because we fired the director of maintenance, he was uh, turned out a quite literally a psychopath. We found out later that he had actually tried to kill his uh, two-year-old son. So I don't want to get dark here, oh, but wow, like crazy, like totally crazy stuff. And um, there's and hiring we, bad. And then there's that. There's And, and no one would know except <laughs> exactly, the yeah. all you had to do was Google his name and you could see this guy was Googleable and, and the whole criminal history, but who would have known? Yeah. Um, and so we told, we just basically reboot, rebooted the company uh, under the simple like premise that we're not going to be cheap, but we're not going to cheat you. Yeah. You know, we're gonna, like if there's a problem, we're going to let you know right away. If we screwed something up, we're going to fix it. And we screwed some things up. Like I remember one time, one of our mechanics um, started an engine uh, without checking to see if there was oil in it and wrecked the engine. It probably didn't even wreck the engine, but we said, you know what? Like we're going to do it right. Yeah. So it was a $100,000 engine. We replaced it, um, no questions asked. And I think that kind of built a reputation for us. And believe it or not, like uh, within, I think it was like, I don't know exactly the timeline, but within a year or two, we were the number one service center in the world for Cirrus. Mate, that's amazing. So it was it was like, it was, it was unheard of. In fact, uh, like we're going back out to Cirrus land this coming week. And I, there's some indication that we're going to get the number one service center. I think we've gotten it like eight years in a row. Uh, but it really under the simple premise that we're going to be honest, we're going to be, you know. That's, you know, it's it's easy to run a business when things are going well. I feel like you get a real true test of character when you mess up, right? And I feel like most clients and most customers out there are going to expect at some point something bad is going to happen. And it's how you respond to that mistake, I think, really can separate you from someone else. Like, uh, you know, you, you just kind of went and said, hey, look, we messed this up. I'm sorry, we're going to make it right. 
what can a what can a customer say? Like, okay, it's like a it's like a cat that doesn't run, you know, for a dog. Like, there's no chase, so, right? And and you know, like everyone understands. Look, people make mistakes. It was an honest mistake, and we've made plenty of mistakes, but we never let them get out of control. You know, yeah. and there's some really hard ones to stomach, especially when you're first getting started. You know, like for sure, cash like that. You're like, oh, there goes the profit for the year. You know, yeah. Uh, but it but it really, you know, somehow I think what it's done is it's also created a reputation for Fly Events where what's interesting is now Fly Events Lancaster is one of the smaller divisions of the whole company, but it has the it's sort of the luster or the reputation, you know, like yeah. people know of it. And it's where I, you know, it's near and dear to my heart because that's where, you know, I got started. Uh, but uh, yeah, now we can carry that on to you know, the, the aircraft management business, because, you know, if you own a plane, it doesn't matter what kind of plane you want to make sure there's one thing that you want to make sure. Well, there's two things. There's you want to make sure your maintenance is really being t- taken care of and it's honestly being taken care of and that your pilots are good. You know? Yeah. How hard is it right now to find good pilots? Uh, honestly, that's probably the most challenging thing um, out there right now. There's been a huge demand uh, for pilots and the airlines have gobbled up, you know, a lot of our pilots. And, and, and it's a good thing because part of our business, we, we've we've got now two flight schools. We've got a Cirrus flight school, which is for the executive who wants to learn how to fly his own Cirrus. Yeah. I've had that 12 years. Um, but then we have um, a separate business. It's actually set up as a nonprofit, so I don't own it, called Fly Gateway. And that is really what's interesting or, or interested me in the last couple of years. And the simple goal was to create a pool of pilots for for us to be able to grab as we grew our business. Um, But then we realized, shoot, if we're growing pilots for ourselves, why don't we also grow them for the airline industry? And it's through COVID been uh, quite a good windfall because um, pilots are, you know, used to like a co-pilot might make $18,000 and they graduating to $30,000. Now a pilot gets hired about $80,000 a year in the first year, quickly going to about 130. And by mid-career, they're making a half a million dollars a year. And there's some pilots that, uh, like the major airlines, who have broken into the million-dollar category. That's amazing. So it's it's no longer this, you know, it's it's still a vocational business, if you will. You don't yeah. even need a college degree to be a pilot. Right. Um, and it's uh, and so what I'm really you know interested in is this nonprofit flight academy where we can get that pilot, a student pilot with zero hours all the credentials they need to get hired by us in six months. And then after six months, they have, you know, they have all the ratings they need. They come back and work for us as an instructor. And then they work for about another year to another year and a half. And then they can be hired by the airline. So in about two years, uh, they're, they're ready to go, which when you compare that, and it's about $90,000 in cost. Whereas you compare that to a college degree, it takes you four years instead yeah. of two years. And a whole heck of a lot more money than ninety grand. Making, you know, you're making sixty thousand dollars a year as an instructor with us. So yeah. in in, a, in six months, you're making a salary again. Whereas, yeah, oh, it takes you four years. Yeah, you know? that's so amazing. So, so you started that as a nonprofit and as a way to you know get more people interested in flying. Yeah, I felt like you know there was a way to give back, and it was also a way like look, don't don't get me wrong, we're we're benefiting from the the group of pilots that are coming up the ladder. But I felt like to do this, what we want to do is really do it on a large scale. Like mm-hmm. I want to actually, believe it or not, right here in Wilmington, Newcastle Airport, we're we're designing what will eventually be a university or a college 
you know, where it won't just be for pilots, but it'll also be for mechanics or anyone who has an entrepreneurial spirit who wants Great to idea. degree. But imagine here in Newcastle, a campus where people can learn um, everything they need to know to either get in as a maintenance technician, because there are more technicians retiring and dying than there are coming in. Same thing with pilots. There are more pilots dying every day than there are new ones coming in. Yeah. So demand, and you know, it's not, we're not going fully autonomous in the next 15 years. It's going to take a lot of um, legislative changes to, to be able to enact that, you know, before you, drop a pilot out of the cockpit. You know, that's a really interesting co- comparison you make with the with the four-year, your traditional four-year college. As you see more, you know, jobs like that where, you know, uh, you, you go to school to learn a trade and that's actually become a more profitable way to earn a living than going to college and studying, I don't know, anthropology or, you know, philosophy or whatever, whatever it is. It's, you know, those type of on, hands-on experience are the ones that, that are where those jobs are really uh, are, are really prevalent right now. Yeah. If you think about it too, though, I mean, you don't, because I think one of the, I think scary things for you, you ask an 18 year old to make some really critical decisions about the rest of their lives. And, yeah. and they're, like, they're taking on debt that they can't get rid of. So, you know, what I I'm really feel comfortable about is, okay, you're taking on $90,000 worth of debt, but there's like the, the uh, uh, default rate for pilots is almost nil. Yeah. Uh, you just don't see that default rate in pilots and, and the return on investment. Like, you know, some of these pilots are getting a hundred thousand dollar bonus just to sign up with your airline. So in the first year you can wipe out, wipe it out, wipe it out completely and immediately get in the work. Or even if you're, you know, thinking about a second career, um, it's not a bad option. That's so, a true return on investment. I think so. Or you can't say if you, you know, uh, the, the college I went to is now we went to similar type schools. So, uh, or sinus where I went is now, yeah. I think, I think it's like $78,000 a year, and which is insane. It's four years to get to the finish line, whereas this is two years. And you don't even, you know, if you want to, you can go online. So we also partnered up with Liberty um, because that allows us to get the federal funding. for the, That's great. So so we've got three locations for this flight school, Lancaster, uh, Allentown, and uh, actually four, uh, Lancaster, Allentown, Bluebell, and, and Newcastle here. So, That's great. Well, so if you're helping other people get into flying, how did you get into flying? You know, it's funny. My, so I've got an identical twin brother who um, looks exactly like me, obviously, but <laughs> he would always look up at the sky and say like, oh my God, there's a 172 flying overhead. Oh, wow. You know, I was never really into flying as like, you know, a, it wasn't a hobby. It was just, um, I like the idea of going from A to B as quickly and efficiently as possible. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I I tried to get into aviation like I tried to shortcut it by uh, buying an ultralight um, in college like I, it was a like a, what they call an, a J and J two can trek it was a hang glider wing with a motor on it and I literally trained myself on how to fly this thing somehow didn't kill myself <laughs> and this is in Chestertown Maryland um, you know in grass fields I would do these crow hops and I realized you know what this is a bad idea and so. When I moved to North Carolina to work for a family business, um, I decided to go for the real deal and uh, and get my pilot's license at you know at grass field. But again, it was really just to kind of get to Rhode Island where I grew up more yeah. efficiently. It's a fun way to get there, you know. Well, I think I, I love the idea of being able to just sort of like flying, especially now at commercial, is a pain. You know, like you saw uh, over the last couple of months, Southwest had a major fallout with just basically canceling something like. 
80% of their flights. I don't know if it was across the country or just in the Northeast, but um, you know, the, the idea of being able to get to walk out your back office and go, Hey, I want to go to the Bahamas and be there five hours from when you decide is pretty amazing. Right. That's gotta be completely liberating. It's really awesome. I mean, like I, I, I remember when I was selling Cirrus's um, for Cirrus and all I would do to get someone's attention was because they would say, like, just take up anyone. And Brian, if you want to go up flying, let's go flying. You don't uh, you don't have to go through a credit check or anything like that. Um, we would just go flying because we knew that, like, once you got someone in the plane, then it was a question of like you, you could see their minds quickly going to, OK, I'm going to sell the Porsche and I'm going to sell. The- <laughs> don't sell your beach house because that's where you want to go. That's how you want to go. But yeah. all you have to do is turn the nose of the airplane south to like the Bahamas and I plug in like, you know, an airport identifier down in the Bahamas. And I say, look, you know, it's only five hours away. And it's true. It's only five hours away. Now, you know, I'm flying a jet now where you can do that in two hours. And I and I kind of grumble at like, oh, I can't imagine doing five. But it's still a lot of fun. It's so much fun to, you know, you're, it, the whole process of getting there is no longer this arduous, like, you know, getting in the car and worrying about traffic cops and uh, log jams. Like now you're, you know, at eight, 10,000 feet and it's like blissfully flying. And the technology is amazing. I mean, like, you, you know, everything is taken care of. And that's what's amazing about the Cirrus airplane. Not only do they have a parachute, but it's a little bit like cars. Like parachute is, is, is sort of like the airbag in a car. It's great, but you don't really want it to, to, right. to pull it's a really bad day. Yeah. Now the whole instinct is to try to keep you away from an accident. So there's a huge amount of technology that's gone into even preventing the plane from getting anywhere near it. And Cirrus is now, you know, four years ago, it came out with a, a jet, a single engine jet, and uh, they have a button you can push and it will automatically take over the airplane, communicate with air traffic control, wow. pick a suitable airport land the airplane automatically. So you don't even have to pull the parachute now. Now it's, now it's okay. The pilot's been incapacitated. Anyone in the cabin can push this red button and automatically land the airplane. That's crazy. The technology is there. And, you know, Cirrus is always at the forefront of that technology. And that's why I'm excited in the business that we're in is that, you know, a lot of bigger aircraft management companies like NetJets, for example, kind of look down on the small airplanes. I think, no, 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 this is the beginning. This is the tip of the spear. Yeah. you know, where there's a larger demographic of people that, you know, quite honestly can afford it and also enjoy that, you know, it doesn't yeah. have to be the elite. That's, that's pretty awesome. I, I love that idea. Um, I, I do find the one section that you talked about, your, the one, the one area that your business does is teaching people how to fly. I would find that as a flight instructor, horrifying potentially. Uh, you know, I always joke around with, you know, driver's ed teachers, you know, constantly grabbing the wheel from their 15 or 16 year old uh, student that they're, that they're teaching how to drive. How nerve wracking is it to teach someone how to fly? Or is it just pretty simple? It's very simple. And, you know, it's funny, like, the it's there's it's it's definitely a process that's been refined over a hundred years, right? I mean, the 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 Wright brothers started, you know, in 1903 or the first flight. Um, and so there's been a lot of development in the flight training market. And it's not like they just give you the keys and say, you know, here, go take off and land. There's a step-by-step approach, you know, and I think the hardest part for most people is not even the flying bit. That's really easy. It's really learning the re- the rules and the regulations. And there's still a lot of rote memory that that is required. Um, but the, but flying is, is relatively easy. You can pick that up literally. Like, I I think I sold after six hours of flying. Um, but you know, you're, you, you, you know, most people sold around 10 hours, maybe 
you know, 20 if you're, if, you, if that's what you want to do. So, um, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. So where, um, when you look at the growth and the ups and downs of your business, what was sort of the lowest point for you? I think it was uh, quite honestly, the beginning of COVID was probably one of the scariest uh, moments in my business career because, you know, at the time I probably had about 150, maybe 175 employees and to think, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? You know, yeah. where, where's payroll? How am I going to make payroll? Um, and uh, not knowing, you know, cause it went from super busy. It was like what we call the super bowl where everyone is going to, you know, the super bowl. And so we get called, you know, we, we, we call it running laps Yeah. Uh, to, dead silence, like not a call, nothing, nothing. But, uh, I think, you know, it, I guess the beauty or the, the, some of the charm in the way that I've set this business up is that it's almost like a four-legged stool that you can always, you can knock off one leg, but the, the stool can still stand up. So it was always designed. So if maintenance isn't working, charter is working. If charter is not working, flight training is picking up or fuel or FBL. Yeah. So uh, when charter completely fell off the uh, cliff, uh, believe it or not, everyone decided they want to do maintenance because it was a perfect time to put your airplane down. Yeah, I've been I've been avoiding doing these certain things for however long. Let's get it fixed now. Yeah, so we went from zero to crazy. Like it went, and then and then that built onto then everyone uh, decided that they didn't want to fly with. Uh, you know, the commercial airlines because they, you know, COVID, COVID was, masks and the whole thing. Yeah. yeah so they all, so we've seen a huge influx in people who didn't otherwise think they wanted to or could afford to fly. Now uh, everyone seems to want to fly private. Well, I think that's really smart in the design of the company where you have, uh, you're well diversified in different areas that aren't dependent. You know, if you, if you have one area that's down, you still have another area that can still make, make money. I think that's really smart. Yeah, there's it. It sometimes feels that way, and sometimes it feels like you want to pull every bit of hair out of your head because you know there is a really complicated business where um, everything has to go right. So everything has to go right in maintenance. Everything has to go right, obviously in flying. Yeah. Um, so not a day that doesn't come with a challenge. And I think what what I've been trying to do, and what's really been amazing, is working with the professionals. Like as the business grown, we've been able to hire, you know, bigger and better talent. And um, that makes it really interesting because what the goal is, is to be able to integrate these different services into one seamless package. So, uh, and that comes with more sophisticated accounting systems and processes. Um, you know, as the charter company gets bigger, you know, we're going international. So yeah. there's more, more complexity, but it's like playing a chess game every day. You know, you come in every day with a different problem to solve, you know, and then of course the bigger strategic problems that you want to. And that's the fun part about being a business owner is you, you know, it's a, it's a, it's the process and the the build. That's the fun part. Yeah, it really is. And I never, you know, never in my wildest dreams would have thought that I'd be here. You know, I remember when I took over Lancaster 12 years ago, uh, I thought it would be really cool if like my maintenance could get paid for, or, yeah. you know, I get healthcare paid for and, you know, like a salary would be really cool, you know, but it yeah. was like, yeah, I'd never be able to make money in this business, you know? And, and that's the, the, that's the old adage in this business. How do you make a small fortune in aviation? Yeah. 
I'm sorry with a large one. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I remember actually it was an FA guy who blind copied me by mistake on that adage. And he said, yeah, I just met Regis and ha ha ha, he's making a small fortune in aviation. I was like, uh, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> I want to find that email and still an email. Send it now. back. To, yeah, that's great. Uh, well, I, I do find, what have you found to be the most challenging part about going? I, I always say uh, internally when we talk about our business that you start out this like infant business where it's you and a couple, you and a business partner, you're just kind of like figuring out. And then all of a sudden you now have, you go through like that pimply face teenager stage and now you have 250 employees. Well, how's that process been? The, the you know the growing pains of going from you know you and your business partner to to two hundred and fifty employees. So yeah, I bought out my partner. I think it was like five years into the business, maybe four. Um, and I just knew that he, he was going to go in a different direction than I was, and I okay. wanted a slow and steady approach. He wanted to go right for it. Um, so we decided to part ways, and um, I think. The most challenging thing is definitely, you know, dealing with different individuals, right? Everyone um, in some ways is like herding cats, but it's also kind of the best part of the business. Like I I remember an early business partner of mine said, you know, Regis, whatever you do, stay away from operating businesses. Like, do, you know, anything with people, stay away from it. And, and this was a very successful guy in the oil and gas business. Um, but I, 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 when I see complexity, I kind of ju- jump right into it. And I think, yeah. well, me, it's an opportunity. Like, you know, if if you can solve that riddle, then well, you're ahead of the pack. And so I, I feel like the challenge is in developing systems and processes that are replicable and that people will follow over and over again. Yeah. Then um, you know that's really what we kind of like wake up with every day is trying to figure out how do we like develop a business model that's replicable. Yeah. What where do you think the business is in ten years? Um, that's a good question. I think, you know, I, I, we talk a lot about that, you know, we could continue to develop a business here and, um, easily, you know, uh, you know, right now we're doing over $50 million a year in, in revenue. And, um, I think we could easily, you know, be doing a hundred million, but I, I think part of me is I'd like, there are a lot of mom and pop shops throughout the U S there are a, a lot of airports throughout the country that, are run by small individual families. And what I'd like to be able to do is somehow incorporate our services, particularly the charter side, that's the most complicated side. And it's really very yeah. management intensive. And it, you've got the FA always, you know, breathing down your back, be able to layer in like bolt on certain services, you know, a little bit like a franchise, but I want to yeah. be able to do that across the country. So, um, uh, that's sort of how we're looking is like, you know, imagine if we could layer in fly advanced group all over the country, either through strategic a- acquisitions or through partnerships with other businesses. Yeah. That right? classic bolt on strategy is, is seems to make a lot of sense. Cause you probably have a lot of, like you said, small mom and pop airports that are not even looking in this direction and you go, Hey, wait, I could actually make a decent amount of money if we add this service on that you guys can provide. Yeah, because a lot of businesses, like those small mom and pop shops, they're paid to run the airport. You know, they're either paid by the state or paid by the local municipality, but they don't sit there and think, well, you know, if I add a flight school, then, okay, well, the flight school may not generate a lot of revenue, but it'll generate a lot of fuel revenue and it'll generate maintenance revenue. And yeah. also it'll potentially bring in a client who might want to buy a Cirrus or maybe a jet someday. So there's all these layered on effects that that can happen, um, you know, and, and they're, I don't know, there are 6,000 airports like that, you know, all over the country. The demographic is there for sure. 
Yeah, and I think that more and more people are seeing, well, one, the technology is finally caught up to where flying is quite honestly safe as it will ever, I mean, could be, you know, it, right. it, it, it's super safe. Uh, and and then the question is like, yeah, if you can take the pilot in a way out of the cockpit, like if you can make it super simple to just be able to jump into a cockpit, that that's my dream is that like 10 years from now, you literally, you know, you call your plane and it shows up at your driveway and boom, off you go. But there's still a need to manage that airplane. There's still going to be a need to maintain it, you know, and and to have missions to, to, to service it. Service it. Yeah, for sure. You you brought it up earlier. That sounds like the Jetsons. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, that's what I envision in the future. Yeah. Did you see the uh, thing that George Jetson was born in the year 2022? Was he really? Yeah, according to the show. Now I saw yeah. it on the internet, so it has to be true. But that I'll have to double check that to make sure. That's kind of crazy. It's crazy because it makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah. like we're we are definitely in a golden age of aviation. Like there, I remember when I first got started flying in 1996. It was paper charts, and you 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 know you're it was it was super dangerous. Like weather, you had to call on a weather line, and it sounds and, like sailing. Yeah, it and and I'd honestly say that sailing is more dangerous because. You know, in a plane, you can outrun a storm. Right. In a yeah. boat, you're you're, like, you're sitting duck. You're yeah. sitting duck. Yeah. So, yeah. Flying, you, there's so much technology that now it's a question of just, you know, where do you want to go? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, we always end with some rapid fire questions. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to uh, ask you a couple rapid fire questions that, to end it here. All right. How many days a month do you travel to a place? So I usually, I just came back from a vacation. I told you that earlier, but, and, I, and of course, just before that, I was doing a charter trip because uh, I like to stay fresh, but um, I might, I, I very rarely travel. I might do maybe, you know, four or five days a month. Okay. Of, of being in the, in the air. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite place to go? Your favorite destination? The one that I haven't been to yet. Ah, I like, that's a good answer. That's a very good answer. What do you think is the most overrated place you've ever been to? Um, God, I don't want to insult anyone. I would say like the uh, the big commercial Disney Worlds or whatever. I like I like the nondescript place that no yeah. one else. I mean, I guess it comes with aviation, but like the more remote place, the better it is. The better, yeah. Um, what's your favorite part about running your business? Uh, it's the people. You know, it's yeah. probably it's the best part and sometimes the worst part. But yeah. I think. Every day, I, I feel like I'm the luckiest guy that gets to go and, uh, you know, run a business, uh, hopefully not in the ground, but, you know, I get to work. I love working with mechanics um, to some lesser degree pilots because they can be a little bit difficult. But <laughs> mechanics, like I like I like that, you know, get up in the morning and um, get to work. Yep, for sure. Well, this is great. I really enjoyed our, our conversation. If people want to learn a little bit about more about you uh, and your Wikipedia page and fly advanced, where do they go? I <laughs> uh, go to www.flyadvanced with a D at the end.com. Or if you're interested in the flight training, uh, component, go to flygateway.org. Awesome. Uh, but, but either one of those will take you to any one of the services that we're looking at. And, you know, uh, I'm happy to, uh, individually talk to anyone who's interested in learning how to fly or, uh, even by a plane. It's, it's, uh, it's a fun conversation. Love it. That's awesome. All right. Well, if you want to connect with me on the untapped app, 
so you can see uh, how I rate all these beers that we drink. My username is brcarney7. To learn more about how our firm helps business owners with their financial planning, visit riversedgeadvisors.com. And to hear past episodes of the podcast, go to happy-half-hour.com. All right, moment of truth, Trogue's Double Blizzard. So first of all, it was given to me by my mother-in-law, so I got to grade it on a curve. Secondly, Trogue's happens to be my favorite brewery that's out there. So not a surprise. I'm going to give this a very high rating of a 4.25 out of five. So uh, definitely pick that up. I should get a flight out to Hershey so we can go to the Trogue's Brewery. Now, I'll have to sample and you'll have to uh, to fly. So yeah, happy to. I think that's the least I could do. All right. That's it. awesome. Rajesh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. Ryan, it's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Happy Hip Hour with an Entrepreneur, sponsored by Rivers Edge Advisors. For more information on how Rivers Edge Advisors can help you, visit their website at riversedgeadvisors.com. If you'd like to connect with Brian Carney for business advice or just to share beer, follow him on Instagram at riversedgeadvisors underscore LLC. 